any other conversation in my life. I don't have to do any stretching or <laughs> mouth exercises or anything. You just kind of just start. Kids come home from school, you're just stretching. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Waiting to pick them up in the car. Just like, okay, I can do this. I got this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. It's so great to hear from us. I like that confidence. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great to have you along. Uh, my our, our day is starting, at, Matt used the word auspicious, and I think that's just right on because I was uh, I brewed myself some tea uh, as we started here. And then, um, uh, you know, it was done steeping. I'm, I'm a five-minute steeper. That's okay. plenty. I was, I was wondering. Yeah. And uh, just going to kind of pull the tea bag out with a little string, and the string just popped right off teabag floating around by itself. I had to reach in with my own grubby hands. With your, with your bare fingers. And, that I haven't been washing nearly enough, oh, especially gosh. these days. <laughs> and reach in and grab it. Um, let's see how the tea tastes here. Listeners, see how this tastes. Oh, I like this. Beautiful mm. slurping action. <sighs> yeah, it's good. I think it's perfect. Oh, good. It's got a little bit of my uh, my finger grum grunge in there as well. Well, maybe that is auspicious then. More auspicious than I realized if it's a perfect steep. <laughs> Matt, how are you? Uh, doing okay. Do you know what I've been doing lately? <laughs> I Am I supposed to guess? You could try. Okay, give me three guesses. Yeah, three guesses. Guess okay. one. Um, my first guess is that you're getting into hunting elk with a bow. Ooh. Is that so correct? close. Okay. Uh, close. Oh, yeah, okay. very close. My second guess is that you are redressing bows with violin strings. <laughs> you said I was close. I, yeah, I'm you're not... getting a little colder now. Okay, that's yeah. further away. Yeah. Um, uh, you Have you been doing something out in nature? Okay, that's kind of that's a third very general guess. Nope, the air quality is too poor. Oh yeah, that was just a dumb guess. Yeah. All right, you just tell me. Okay, I'll tell you that I've been cooking. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I've had I've been interested in cooking before, but yes, this isn't brand new. There's there is there's something to making a meal like for your family. It's very gratifying. Uh huh. But it's also got its challenges because there's the planning, and then there's the this is. This is very funny what I'm doing, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It's because what we've gotten is a bunch of free meals from HelloFresh. Oh, yeah. You know, this meal uh, kit service. So there are a few of them. This is the one where we've got some free stuff. Did you get free meals because we're announcing a sponsorship? You know what? (laughs) That would be amazing. And it's so funny because that's where you hear about HelloFresh all the time on podcasts. (laughs) This is the only podcast ever. That's let's <laughs> talk about HelloFresh Hello without Fresh. a sponsorship. I'm not being paid for it, <laughs> which pretty much fits the bill uh, for what we're doing here. I should have uh, I should have left them out of the. <laughs> I should have not named the brand, um, but we're really liking the food, and yeah. uh, it's you know I, I feel like a lot of times I'll buy groceries with these grand plans in mind, and then it just like ends up rotting in the back of the fridge. Which and I food waste is just one of those things that just makes me yeah. crazy, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so I've been really happy with that and, uh, meals have been great. And, uh, you know, my daughter got in on it. She's helping, oh, you know, we nice. both put our aprons on and just kind of go for it. And it's been, 
it's been really good. Got a lot of like a bunch of leftovers for my wife to take to work for lunches. Oh yeah, so nice. It's like win win win. So I have I have a question about this because one of the things before Rachel and I had kids, we would come over to your house and we'd observe. Yeah. That you and Jelaine often yeah. eat. Jelaine is my wife. Much late. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> you and your wife Jelaine, not yeah. to be confused with the other Jelaines, <laughs> eat much later. Often eat later and the kids eat earlier and sometimes those meals are separate at least in our experience yeah rachel and i were always like very like kind of fascinated by this hmm. and then we had a kid and we're like oh we understand oh yeah like, it makes a lot more sense yeah. how like you could get into that rhythm because it's just like so much going on in that kind of pre-bed window right but i'm curious about how this experience with uh the meal service that will not be named again on the podcast <laughs> oh, we should beep it out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, how this is impacting uh, dinner as a family? We, it's been positively. That's a good question. So now I'm starting, you know, at 530 or whatever, like a okay. normal time. So what's Matt, what Matt's alluding to is that we would feed the kids like a kid meal. Yeah, yeah. Something pretty simple and not necessarily like perfectly nutritious, but like a mac and cheese or a, a quesadillas or something, sure. something dumb like that. Um, but now we're like more likely to eat all to, and then Shalane and I would eat like at eight thirty or whatever after the kids are kind of down. But now, yeah, we're eating together oh, as a family. Yeah. So this meal kit service, which shall not be named, has not only <laughs> brought us better food, but it's brought us together as a family. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to imply that you weren't already together as a family. <laughs> not at dinner, we weren't. We were lacking. <laughs> It was like a once a week thing where we would all eat together. Okay. And this yeah. has been this has been really good. And the kids are eating stuff like that's just more there's more diverse like nutritional sure. stuff and learning to like new things is yeah. something that's important for kids to learn too. So and I imagine I imagine for the kids kind of having something that is like kind of special and kind of fun like here's this thing that came in the mail, like yeah. adds a little bit of excitement versus you just saying like, oh, I've got braised Brussels sprouts for us tonight, <laughs> you know? And they're like, uh, okay. Yeah. Can you get your own recipe card for it? And it's all like, obviously it's all prepackaged and you don't, you do some measuring and you and right. stuff. Anyway, it's great. I love it. And uh, I'm glad to be putting the apron back on. You know, there's weekly pizza night. I was also responsible for that. Oh, thank goodness. That's but not going that's away. That's not going anywhere. But this is like adding to my time in the kitchen. And oh. uh, it's been great. That's very cool. How So uh, how much cooking are you doing, Matt? Yeah, I don't do cooking. <laughs> yeah, that's not where um, Rachel enjoys cooking. And she actually, for Mother's Day, I gave her like an online cooking class, which oh. she's done a couple of things of. It's kind of like basics of yeah. cooking and thinking okay. about flavors and... Uh, so she's done some of that, and then we kind of had a crazy May, and yeah, she'll return to it eventually. Yeah. But so she really enjoys cooking. So when I come home, then it's like a gift to her if I go and play with Oliver while she just kind of has the kitchen to herself. Right. right. And I'm I'm not one to really enjoy cooking. I'm always like, give me the quickest, easiest. Oh, uh, okay. You're a McDonald's guy. Let's just. Face I am. It. My McDonald's coffee, co- iced coffee, is over there. Oh, on my desk. sure is. Um. 
So, but I am more than happy to do dishes. So that's you know kind of our our arrangement. Yep. But Rachel's a great cook; yep. she does wonderful meals. So good job, I'm Rachel. Happy to, I'm happy to benefit. When you get to that point when you cook, when you're like, you know what this needs is a little of this, right. or it needs like an, an acid, or it yes, needs like yes. a, a creamy thing, and like right. to know that stuff as you're cooking. I want to get to that point. Yeah, I think that's what Rachel is kind of working working on and that's, hope, moving towards. That's as well. cool. That's yeah. cool. I like that. But that's so far beyond me. I mean. If I can get beyond, mm, I see, we have chips and cheese. Let's just pop that in the microwave and we got nachos. <laughs> like one day if I can get beyond that, that's probably pretty good. <laughs> well, early pandemic, you were baking a little bit. Well, that's true. And that's, that's more true. baking is a different science, thing. right? Like, so you have to really be paying yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't, I do enjoy baking. That is true. Yeah. I think it's the chaos of cooking oh, yeah. that I enjoy a lot less. Yeah. Also, pretty significant difference between baking and cooking baking you almost never or barely have to chop anything (laughs) and i'm very nervous around knives (laughs) i didn't know this about you yeah yeah Yeah. i just i I like cut myself once yeah uh barely now you're knife shy i'm like i'm knife shy now yeah so it takes me forever forever to chop things (laughs) i think it's time we uh, let some more beef out of the corral. What do you say? Uh, it sounds great. I mean, we've already we've already talked about some. We're cooking up some good segments oh, here. Yeah, we are. It's really got a theme. Let's talk about some beef. <laughs> I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better. So, what's your beef? All right, what's your beef? Okay, I'm. I sat I sat at my desk thinking about this, and I thought, how vulnerable do I want to be? Oh, I decided very. I decided to be very vulnerable. Oh, yes, my beef is underarm sweat, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to. You know, usually our beefs are not searching for solutions. Yeah, I am in search of you're a solution. in search of a solution. So let me explain okay. a little bit more. Okay, I I don't think I sweat abnormally much. I don't think it's a particular problem. Like in terms of medically diagnosable or anything like that. However, I do sweat a lot, particularly out of my right armpit. Oh, you have one? Uh, it's just more for whatever other. reason, just particularly active sweat glands. Hmm. And I'm going to tell a story about my first day of teaching at William Jessup Settle University. Settle in, this listeners. Was, Settle it's a pretty in. quick story. Oh, okay. But my first day of teaching, I'm teaching a class. I haven't taught for a while, but. This, this was a few years ago. And it's a three-hour class. And so about, you know, hour 15, we take that's a break. That's a long, yeah. that's a long time. It's a long stint. Yeah. So we take a break and I go to the restroom and I look and I see that I've basically like sweated through my shirt. Uh-huh. Like where you can visibly see yeah. around my armpits. Yeah. And now I found myself in a quandary because now I know the situation mm-hmm. and I know that they can all see. Sure. So I said, there's only one way to address this. I went back into the classroom. I just said... To all these hip, young, 18, 19 year olds. Dry as, they're all dry as bones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comfortable, yeah. cool, collected. <laughs> I just said, hey, listen, I know, I want you to know that I know that you can see that I'm just sweating up here. <laughs> and this is for my own good that I just admit this and now we can just move on. And you're just going to have to deal with the fact that my shirt is marked with my high body temperature. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, that wasn't like a highlight of an experience. No. I often tried to wear jackets and things. I now there's in that case I was wearing a dress how shirt. Did, how did the how did your class react to this? I think they reacted like generally kind of with shock that I would name it. Sure. But also with like it was a little bit diffusing. Right. You know, in terms yeah. of like there was some laughter. Sometimes some you, need to, like you need to say the just thing and to just be get honest, it out right. there. Yeah. So the obvious solution and a solution to which I have um, migrated is to wear under like a dress shirt like that. Yeah. Uh, an undershirt. That right. just helps at least is a first line of defense. Right. Great. I have some quality undershirts. The problem. This is a classic move. Yeah. 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 Not, yeah. The problem. And I should also say I'm not worried about odor. Because, I, I mean, I do wear an antiperspirant deodorant, and I'm not, I don't think I'm dealing with, like, massive amounts of body odor here. So, that's mm. not, <laughs> as Aaron right across the way, mm. wafting. <laughs> My concern is not so much that. It's more the visuals. Bec- and particularly, I want to hear from listeners if they have a solution, or if you have a solution. In the summer, I wear a short sleeve, button-down shirt. I want to be a little bit nicer you know, when I'm in yeah. the office in case people kind of come by and need yeah. to meet with a pastor. You look great. Well, thank you. Way. But the problem is there's not an undershirt that I've found that can both provide the first line of defense uh, against sweat mm-hmm. and not look clearly like you're wearing an undershirt. Right. If right. this makes sense. Right. So, I've heard a fashion person once say, if you can see, if I can see your undershirt, you're doing it wrong. Like, right. That's underwear. Right. And that. Like in the 90s, I felt like that was like kind of part of fashion, actually. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Where you could see sort of the crew cut. Yeah, underneath is the that shirt. The, is that the name I, for yeah, it? Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. a crew. Versus the V-neck. Yeah. This is sort of men's. Uh, sorry, sorry, ladies. We're talking men's This fashion. is sartorial corner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just hang with us. We're just going with what we know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, today you're not supposed That's not kind supposed of a faux to. pas to see what's going on underneath. But that's shirt. hard with a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. So I need... I'm in need of a solution, and it's my beef that there's not there's not an obvious that I can find yeah. solution to this problem. Um, well, I feel you. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of this too. I used to teach uh, music to my kids' classes oh, in school. It was the um, I was called the music docent, so uh, it was just a, volu- a volunteer position. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, half an hour, I'd go in there, bring my guitar, we'd sing some songs, I'd teach them a little bit about music. Yeah. And we'd listen to some music. And I would leave that half hour, Matt, and I, my shirt would be soaked, <laughs> soaked through. This is not a three-hour college class. This is a third grade, half, half hour with third graders. <laughs> I wasn't like arguably more intense. Maybe I wasn't like nervous about it. Yeah, it wasn't like right. I was like flowing out of every pore. It's just like my sure. I was just like I was just exerting myself. Yeah, I think, and that's what was causing this. So I, I feel you on this on the sweating thing, and I've got a solution. Oh, no shirt. <laughs> no shirt. No shirt to sweat through. It's very funny that you say that because I was just going to share another story about recently. I had a meeting with Kevin. Uh, and shirt on? meeting with him. No, uh, my shirt on, okay. short sleeve shirt on. All right. Uh, meeting was a perfectly normal meeting. It was in his office, which can get a little warm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like all these offices get a little warm as yeah. kind of the sun starts hitting the back. 
Uh, but I had to come out and uh, lead Eucharist right after our kind of midday Tuesday Eucharist service. And I looked down and I realized not only have I sweated through kind of the armpit areas, yeah. but it has now started dripping down my side. Oh, that feels so awful. It's like, what in the world <laughs> is like, going on? I would, like, the meeting was great. Everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like, nervous about any right. of this. It just, I'm just hot. Yeah. I think people, some people just run hot. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. we have a high metabolism. I think that's what probably part of it. You know, we're, we're um, our, our body's temperature regulating system is highly efficient. Yeah. So I am now thinking about what it would have looked like if I had just walked out to lead Eucharist without a shirt on. <laughs> Friends, the Lord be with you. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a solution. I, I, do, I kind of have a solution in that I switched to a deodorant that doesn't have uh, aluminum. And everyone, if you're out there, get rid of that aluminum. That can be like bad for your glands and also stains your shirts. Yeah. Get some yellow. There's a couple of good options out there. Well, maybe. But we'll it's not going to keep you from sweating. Yeah. You're not gonna, that's you're the thing, sweat. right? Yeah. Change shirt changes, you know, like <laughs> midday shirt change. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're getting to that point. Huh. I, I, yeah. Maybe there is some magical solution that someone has out there because this feels like a not uncommon yeah. problem. No. But I, no. I haven't come across it yet. So, no. listeners, please fix my beef. Yeah, and I can. Can I share this beef with you a little bit? Can I like get in on yeah, this get beef? In on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm sharing Matt's beef. I have this problem too. I didn't realize. You know, that's the thing about. I just want to pause and just say that's the thing about vulnerability, folks. When you open yourself up, mm. often you'll find that other people are just right there with You're you. You're not alone. <laughs> You're not, You're alone. not alone. Not alone. All right, Aaron. What's your beef? Uh, my beef is with. I don't want to get too meta here. Or maybe I do. My beef is with beef. Oh. I can't remember if I've done this before, but I've had this beef for a long time. I don't think so. I, my, uh, my daughter, who is now nine years old, last, mm -hmm. uh, last year, about a year and a half ago, decided she kind of wanted to go like try a vegetarian lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> We don't like to call her a vegetarian because, like, it's not part of her identity, you know? It's just like, I'm eating vegetarian is, like, what we like to say. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, 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 I think, it's, uh, with apologies to those in the, in the meat industry, it's, it, it's, it's extremely... There goes our butcher box sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Beef is extremely harmful to the environment. Like to to make and to process, and um, I won't get into like specifics about that. But um, when when you see when you see your first YouTube video, where like in Switzerland, where a lady is outside this uh, uh, cow pasture, and uh, she pulls out a viola and starts playing like this beautiful um, like like uh, is like some kind of etude. And the cows all come running over and just come to the come to the gate and just listen to the violin or viola, whatever it was. Oh, come on, you're gonna eat those animals? These was, animals love music, and you're gonna eat them? That was a very highly specific kind of YouTube video <laughs> that you described as when you watch your first one of these YouTube videos. <laughs> when you just stumble stumble across the viola loving cows. I'm not sure which direction listeners to point you in terms of searching for this, but just search for I don't know cows listening to music. There's a, there'll be more than a few more of them. than you expect. Mm -hmm. Okay, and. Um, 
I find it I find it hard to eat an, uh, a music loving animal. So my beef is with beef. So uh, my daughter's gotten us all kind of onto a little bit of a vegetarian train at our house. Oh, okay. Um, which thankfully is you know a meal option with certain <laughs> meal planning kits. <laughs> <laughs> So my beef is with beef. It's bad for the environment. It's sort of not really that healthy to eat either. And uh, there's so many good plant-based uh, beef alternatives out there right now. They're a little bit pricey, so I can understand people not wanting to jump in head first. But uh, we found that to be like really, we still have burger night and we have it with, uh, you know, again, not going to name names, but there are <laughs> brands out there that, are, that make really good meat substitutes and they're tasty. So. Mm. So my beef is with beef. I know it's a personal thing. Some people are just going to keep eating beef. That's well, fine. I do. I, yeah, I feel attention with this because I mm. um, both want to acknowledge your beef yeah. and the truth of your statements, and also listeners. You're not me, joining me on this beef. We've long documented my love of McDonald's, <laughs> <laughs> which surely is the least sustainable for. <laughs> Although some people they might do argue, beef it, there? is it hardly beef? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, in fact, I'm just having some other kind of an animal product that is uh, a helpful kind of recycling. <laughs> yeah, you're like a scavenger. Yeah. You serve a purpose of the like, grand ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm more like a vulture than a lion. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the justification I needed. That's so, good. Thanks. Good for you. No, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I'm often grateful for Rachel also. Uh, right eats vegetarian right uh, has adopted a vegetarian lifestyle <laughs> but uh i do think overall well first of all it's often cheaper mm -hmm. um but also overall i'm grateful that you know that's kind of shaped our family meals as well right oh man i like that that was kind of there's some depth to that beef it's a beef 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 <laughs> Well, today we wanted to have a curious conversation that begins to explore this question that we introduced in our summer road trip episode of where do we go from here, which is to say uh, we have experienced, and frankly, we'll talk about this, but are experiencing a global pandemic, mm -hmm. which has impacted so many parts of our lives, but has also obviously impacted the church part of our lives, mm -hmm. our spiritual lives which felt uh, very much in tune with what we talked about on this podcast. And it seemed like there were so many elements to that question, both what has happened and how this then shapes and forms us both as people and as kind of churches, that there was kind of lots to talk about. And so today, I thought a starting place uh, could be for us to begin to just look back and also name uh, some of the challenges and also like name some of where we are, not sort of in a sense of here we are on this date as we record. Um, but when we were first kind of thinking about talking about like, where do we go from here? I think you and I kind of had a sense that maybe as we record these episodes, we'll be really kind of moving into a next phase, the future, right, right. so to speak. And a bright COVID-free COVID-free future. <laughs> and the reality is we're stuck with a lot more uncertainty than yeah. we would have hoped, yeah. uh, which we can talk more about that. But one of the interesting things I think about this whole season being elongated in this way with all the uncertainty that it brings is there is a temptation to kind of settle into a new normal and kind of stop, I think actually like stop naming losses and stop lamenting and stop grieving. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, um, 
like uh, some jokes on like Twitter and Instagram talking about like 2020, like the world is going to hell. 2021, how can we make hell comfortable? <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. just the sense of like the chaos yeah. of 2020, like yeah. just felt totally overwhelming. And then suddenly it's like, well, we've been doing this for a year and a half and some of it starts to feel normal. Um, and so I think like some of it is some of this conversation I'd like to hear from you and kind of process together a little bit, like, okay, what's, what's still not normal? <laughs> like what, what have been the pain points? What are some of the pain points rather than just glossing over and sort of saying, great, like, let's just talk about the lessons we've learned and kind of move forward. And how can we sort of build back better and do right. all these things? Right. Right. So, and I think there's, there's something important about really naming losses. I was looking, uh, longtime listeners might remember our guest on episode 26, uh, which was curious about emotional health, mm. which we had Kelly Powers on uh, that episode. But I was recently looking at an Instagram post from her, and she was talking about grief. And she does a lot of grief in her therapy, talks a lot about grief in her therapy work. Um, but she was talking about, like, when this is a quote from her, when we experience chaos, understandably, we want to control it, fix it, get it right. But just as mysterious and wondrous is the nature of love, grief, too, is a diverse landscape. It can vary from person to person, evolve over time, have parts that are wide open or shift into ragged trails. She goes on to say later, certainty hands us a generic map, assuming there are exact steps, right turns, and a perfect pathway to fix grief, which sounds kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. With our head stuck in the map, she writes, we miss the true landscape of our grief. Compassion is a tender guide, inviting us to be curious, patient, and open-hearted which I think there's just a lot of wisdom kind of in that. But I thought, I think we, the, my hope is that this conversation can both kind of model a kind of compassion for our grief uh, and also just like explore and from our perspective, some of the, the hardships and challenges of this past season. So anyway, maybe a place to dive in. Like Aaron, as you think about this conversation, I'm curious, like, what are some of the things that maybe initially come up for you as you think about either challenges or even just like taking some time to process some of this? Yeah. Well, it we when we first were kind of planning out, um, maybe to take a, a step back. This so this will be the first of four conversations yeah, right. that we'll kind of have on this idea. So our first kind of um, title for this question was looking back. And naming challenges, and then right. we met again about this. And <laughs> there's, looking around, yeah, we changed looking back to looking around because uh, there's not as much. I mean, there's plenty in the rearview mirror, but there's plenty ahead of us still too. So we're this might be like you said something we're we're going to be living with for a long time, and mm. it's something that is embedded in some like political stuff and culture war stuff, and uh, that where suddenly the, like the public health is maybe, uh, you know, it's being politicized, which is right. Um, I have some personal feelings about <laughs> that's long time listeners know where you're going to get highly, highly political, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting to look around and see the church today versus the church two years ago and mm -hmm. think like what's, um, what's changed sort of technologically, what's changed in terms of how we gather or how we don't gather and uh, where people where people are and what they're doing. Like if you think about the church not as a, 
not as a building or even like as a thing that happens on Sunday morning, but as a collection of of people, then you start to wonder what's happened to all what's happened to the people. Uh, and I know that we'll, this is maybe a later episode, but um, yeah, I have more. I mean, I have more questions every day about what where to go from here. Yeah, or maybe again, maybe to rephrase that, not where we go from here, but where where are we now? Oh, even? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's there's a there's a there's a sense in which we can't even make a plan to move forward as we knew learned all throughout like early COVID stuff. You'd make a plan and it would be good for a week or two, yeah. and then you're making a new plan, right? Um, so I think the, like one word that, that kind of defines the church in COVID times, which is, I think, safe to say going to be kind of with us for the foreseeable future is uncertainty. So yeah. that's, I feel like that's where we're mired right now. Yeah. And that's a hard place for the church to be. Um, right. Because we want to, uh, there's all kinds of uncertainty in faith, right. And there's, mm-hmm. there's doubt and and even even in a strong church, that's like part of the fabric of being a Christian. Mm-hmm. But then you introduce all this other um, uncertainty in terms of people's health and and well being and politicization, and then you have uh, kind of a s- scary place to be. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks for note, listening yeah. to. <laughs> <Kay's> church. <laughs> ah. No, I think that's so that's so true. Aaron, the uncertainty, you know, I think that uh, the uncertainty to me is one of the things that we have to name as grief, uh, as something to grieve, because hmm. I think it can be too easily like one of the things that we just use to describe our situation. Yeah. Um, but to me, I think actually like there is both uncertainty and it creates a fatigue and that's that takes a toll. I think as people in in the church and involved in making decisions, right? Some of the constant change. I was reading this um, this survey, or not? Yeah, it was a survey that was done, but it was a write up in uh, Nature magazine that was talking about a kind of. It was trying to analyze kind of people and their knowledge about COVID nineteen and their knowledge, like their ability to reject or understand conspiracy theories based on their kind of cognitive motivation. So what they had, let me explain that a little bit more. They kind of had two factors. They had people who were high in what was called um, need for cognition. So these are people who, it's kind of a technical way of saying, it, these are people who like to think, like they like the act of exploring and learning. Yeah. And that kind of thing, need for cognition. And then there's people with um, what they called NCC or need for cognitive closure. So these are people who like to have kind of uh, the doors kind of shut on the issue, not in a sense of shutting it out, but just like the issue is put to bed. It's figured like, out. It's, it's figured done. out. done. Exactly. Yeah, I know the answer. Moving on. Um, and what they found was that people who were high in both of those were actually pretty knowledgeable about what was going on. But also, these, were, these people tended to kind of check COVID information daily. Uh, what was interesting to me was that these surveys, the survey, the initial one was done at the end of March 2020, And then there was a follow-up that was done in July, 2020. Mm. And I was like, I was just thinking about the reality that those people, which I think is a lot of us, a lot of us either like want to know and want to kind of have clear answers or like enjoy the act of kind of learning. Um, uh, For those of us who have been checking this daily, like there's now a lot 
that's a lot of days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just, um, I mean, I think we've seen this and with yeah the the changes and sometimes there are good reasons and sometimes there seem to be not as good reasons. Yeah, I think that's been part of the story. But the fatigue of that uh, that we all feel. So to, I just want to like name uncertainty not as just um, a neutral state of the season, but actually as like, yeah, it's not, like it's not supposed to be that way. Right. 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 Uh, we do, like you said, I think so helpfully, like we live with uncertainty in all kinds of areas and in all kinds of ways, but um, like uncertainty about how we interact with one another. <laughs> right. Uh, is not supposed to be sort of the prevailing way that we move right. and live and experience church and experience God together. Right. I, I really like that idea because it's, you're right, uncertainty is not a neutral thing because it, ins, it, it, it gives us fear, it gives us anxiety. These are, right. these are sort of problems indicative of a broken world that yeah. we live in. So yeah. to, to see uncertainty as just a, another symptom of original sin, yeah. <laughs> if you really go back. <laughs> <laughs> Take us back. <laughs> Take, let's go way back. <laughs> Then that's then uh, that's it's important to name it that way. I think that's good, and to think of it as something to grieve and to lament. Yeah, uh, maybe not. We can. Yeah, it's fair, definitely, to grieve the the disease itself and yeah, right. um, and specific losses. Maybe we've lost a loved one um, right, or so been many. sick ourselves. But it's but to grieve the uncertainty is a really interesting idea. Yeah. And the ways that uncertainty also, um, like, robs us of joy often, right? Yep. Like, there was so, like, even I think about this podcast, like, we essentially yeah. kind of put, pop, pressed pause, but it was a long time before that was intentional. Yeah. Right? It wasn't like we said, oh, like, okay, we're in a crazy time. Like, let's yeah. just, like, pause recording. It was just, as you and I are both kind of surviving ministry and the many fluctuations, it yeah. was like we just weren't talking about when our next recording is going to happen. Right. But then like... So your premise is that this brings us joy to record Curious Church It brings Church me together. joy to hear, you know, about the things that you're mad about. Um, so <laughs> I'm kidding. Ness. I know what you mean. No, yeah. So it's like some of the like, I think joys and ministry of interacting with people, of doing kind of things that are like just fun and delightful. Like so much of that gets robbed so quickly. Um if we only have if we only have like a, a finite capacity for emotion, I think mm. it would be fair to say that we all kind of have reached a limit. Like if fear and uncertainty like instills fear and anxiety, and kind of you're right pushes like that joy out of the out of frame, yeah, um, and makes it harder to. I mean, everyone who's listening has been through this, so yeah, yeah it makes it harder to to live. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, and I think that's that's helpful to name too, right? Like we're we're offering kind of our perspective, but we also know we're not offering unique perspectives. And in fact, this are all these conversations are as much about exploring kind of questions that we're all grappling with mm -hmm. as they are about giving sort of wise answers yeah. from on high. Yeah. Right. I think another thing we've never promised answers here no, on we Curious never have. Church. I think we literally never have promised I, uh, yeah, answers. Very much very much <laughs> this is about questions. Sorry, listeners. I do think another like loss that I, I found kind of interesting is just the loss um, of people in our congregation and we have had some, some explicit like death mm -hmm. uh, from COVID and like that is just beyond tragic. Um, and so, yeah, so much grief there. Um, 
But in addition, there's been a lot of people who have moved away. Mm -hmm. uh, and for all different reasons. Um, but, you know, I, it's been really interesting just to note or to think about like, wow, how many people moved in this last season? And this is like, this is not to pass blame or judgment on their moving out. Mm -hmm. All the stories that I know people had good, good reasons for doing it. Um, but Master's too sweaty. <laughs> man, this guy, it just makes me uncomfortable <laughs> to see how uncomfortable he must be. I, I can't just take his shirt off. I, and get I, it over with. I cannot hear the gospel from someone <laughs> who just is sweating like a sinner up there. Sweating like a sinner. Um, but it was just, I think one of the things that was interesting is I wondered how much that trend was reflecting kind of um, a diffusion of a sense of community and togetherness. Not that these, not that people would have made necessarily different decisions, but the timing of their decision connected in some ways so much to like things kind of shutting down. And yeah. it's like, well, like if this is kind of what we've got, we can do this just as well in this other location or this location right. is going to be much kind of cheaper and long-term sustainable for my family. So maybe now's the time to make that move. Right. And I think there's always a sense uh, of the people who are kind of quote left behind. Yeah. Right. Uh, where, yeah, you just see, you see people leaving and there's sort of something like overwhelming, overwhelming almost. I mean, going back to uh, like, even it's not necessarily, Oh, I don't understand why. Cause you, Totally, I totally understand why. Right, uh, but there is this is maybe a little bit inside inside the church kind of life. But like as a church staff person, it's sort of like, oh man, like it's just like we're we're hemorrhaging here. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's a real that's a real loss. I think it's just kind of a uh, so many of these people were wonderful and brought such life, uh, and we miss them dearly. And right, like as one of the tangible losses, I think of this right. season. Right. And just to just a note for any listeners that aren't local, this is this is a little bit of a like a state like a statewide issue. Yeah, in true. pandemic times, with folks were leaving California, right? Um, because of the housing market stuff, yeah. and um, yet, like you said, cheaper to live elsewhere. If I'm working from home, I can live anywhere. That yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I'm sure other regions faced some version of that too. But. It's interesting. Even as I like share that, I'm I feel the wrestling within myself, uh, like with like not wanting to be so careful to not blame. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't blame. I genuinely don't feel like have any hard feelings towards people who have left. I totally understand. But also the ways that actually that then starts to mitigate my wanting to name this as loss. You see that? Like, no, I'll say that again. Like I almost want, like I'm, I won't, I want to be so careful to not blame that. I'm almost being too careful not to name this as like significant loss. I see that I'm experiencing. Right. Right, right. Which I think is often when we're experiencing relational loss, there can be we want to that, blame something. that temptation. We're either wanting to blame, or we want to be so so careful for not blaming that we're not willing to say like, "Oh, this is a grief for me." Right, like that makes me sad. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, well, and to me, that ties into the whole idea of naming this as naming the whole COVID phenomena and all its um, sort of tentacles in all parts of our lives as right. grief. And yeah. um, so I think that if I, that uh, that's going to be, spoiler alert, what's going to be my takeaway on this conversation, mm -hmm. I think. What, um, I want to talk a little bit without kind of timestamping where we are, but we're in this interesting place. We talked about this at the top. Like we kind of thought we might be having these conversations with kind of a, 
slightly more rosy glasses, <laughs> you know, looking ahead. What does this mean for the future? Yeah. Looking back to kind of say, what have we learned? Right. We're much more in, in the midst of things. Yep. We're in between. Uh, obviously, maybe one of the clear things that we're learning is uh, the kind of a fragility and that uncertainty that we've talked about and Absolutely. named. But I'm just curious, like, how, how are you processing this in between where there's sort of like, there's parts we, we kind of are in rhythm mm -hmm. in some sense with some things. There are some things that have, quote unquote, returned to a normal-ish. But there's so much kind of who knows what the next months, year, yeah. years could yeah. look like. Yeah. Like, I'm just curious, how, like, how you're kind of grappling with the in-between, both yourself and also, like, I mean, you're in this interesting place where you're inviting musicians to participate in music and, mm -hmm. like, yeah. I'm wondering kind of how you're processing the in-between. Well, there's nothing fun about purgatory. Like multiple <laughs> multiple great minds and Dante, authors Dante yes, agrees, yeah. have written that uh, this is not the place you want to hang out and that's but I do feel like that's where we are. Yeah. Now and there's a there's a grief to that as well. Yeah, just from my since you brought up like musicians like for a long time um just in in the interest of like keeping people, you know, kind of not too close to each other and in, in terms of transmission stuff, I was like kind of the only one right. doing music just by myself, which is, uh, which is fine. Um, especially at home when we were doing like video services. Uh, but as people have become vaccinated and we've, you know, made progress, uh, I've been able to invite other people along with me, which has been great. But then the, the purgatory part of that is, um, you know, pre-COVID, there's a, a pretty hefty roster of right. um, volunteer musicians yeah. that has dwindled significantly. So now, now it looks. Now, what does it look like in the future? Am I starting from scratch? You know, building a music team. Is there some? Do we have to rethink how? You know, we and I'm sure this goes for all kinds of ministries at Granite Springs and churches all over the place. How do you? How do we restaff churches um, with folks who have maybe? left either left the church or left the area or whatever yeah, right. so it's a, like a new and honestly we've had um there's a new neighborhood being built nearby and we've had some new faces yeah. like kind of showing up so that's like it's not all like doom and gloom either no, right. so that's that that's what's kind of strange about this time oh, it's been so strange yeah. you get a little glimmer of something uh and then you get sort of smashed by a new gray cloud <laughs> <laughs> just drowning in the condensation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that you bring up, yeah, talk, when we think about looking around, I think, yeah, naming that we've had new people coming to the church, yeah. I think is is helpful because it is, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. And in fact, like, to me, one of the most remarkable things about this season has been like the continued support of people within the church. I was, and act, actually that's, Fascinatingly, um, across the board, uh, uh, as I was looking at a survey uh, where it's something like 90% of Protestants like approve of how their church handled the pandemic. And of course, churches handled all of this in vastly different ways. Very much so. But it's in, I just thought that was a pretty interesting and pretty revelatory kind of thing that um, many people in the places where they've kind of called church home have often uh, kind of supported the decisions made. Right. Um, and I think the vast majority, like I've, I've felt that like people have been generally supportive, mm -hmm. uh, even if they've made clear that they disagree, that hasn't been sort of like, uh, 
the seeds of rebellion. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. Like it's been it's been kind of one on one conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, here's where we're coming from. Here's why we're d- taking this action. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and you and, and you're right to I think note that the folks who have been supportive have been really supportive and, yeah. and you know who you are. They're probably listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're grateful for you. Yeah. And that, I mean, it makes a huge difference. And then to have new people coming is sort of like a, I mean, to me, those are reminders of the faithfulness of God, right? That there is, yeah, this massive amount of uncertainty that is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and yet uh, there is a care that God has for his church and continues to nudge and lead and kind of, sometimes drag us along. Mm. Um, but there, yeah, there's certainly kind of a grace in the midst of that. And you meet someone new and, uh, you know, the, some of the conversations where as a church, we've taken a pretty cautious, pretty consistently cautious or relatively cautious, maybe is a good way to say it, yeah. uh, stance. Yeah. Um, and then you Right think, now it kind of feels like God is leading us up a down escalator. Up a down, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. But then you have people who... Um, like just yesterday, Rachel was sharing with me someone who had read on our website kind of what we were saying about like why we're taking some of the precautions and like how much they just appreciated kind of that statement. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh yeah, like these moments where you think like, oh, is this kind of careful decision that's made with prayer and sensitivity and trying yeah. to pay attention to everything? Yeah. Is it just going to drive people away in unhelpful you know ways? And then you have moments of that where it's like, oh, actually there's some resonance and we are seeking to love our community and we are doing this together. And right. Um, there's something kind of, yeah, edifying and encouraging about that too. Ah, <sighs> oh, that's right. <clears throat> it is, yeah. We purposely, I purposely wanted to create space here at the beginning of kind of as we talked about this conversation for exactly what you just did. For, a sigh, <laughs> yeah, kind of a sigh, right? Yeah. Like it feels, it would feel disingenuous for us to just kind of start blazing forward <laughs> yeah um because that's not where we are and in fact it's never not where we will ever be we will always like there will always be things about this season i think to grieve and lament um and name so it felt appropriate to kind of maybe start with a sigh What's the best psalm? What's the? There must be a good psalm that has like a sigh. In you know, it. I actually, it's funny that you say that because I noted down Psalm thirteen. Okay. Um, as as maybe a psalm that's worth reading as part of this conversation. Okay. Because I think it balances some of what we're talking about. It it's just six verses, but it begins, "How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me?" How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. That really is that really is the the perfect COVID psalm. Yeah, it kind of feels like it, doesn't um, it? It, I, it? And this this does what so many psalms do, and it does it so well. Where you're just you're mired in the how long, 
mm-hmm. of it. And, um, but just turns the corner just at the end, just remembering faithfulness and, um, yeah, remembering, yeah, just like being, being encouraged and, uh, trying to find a way forward, which is, a I feel like where we're at. And it's kind of a tenacious declaration too, right? I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Like that, there's something to me that's like kind of the, the clinging, like I will do this. Mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> like I will, I will, I will. The tenacious declaration. That's yeah. a good phrase. Oh, well, thanks. And it also needs, to, it's, I feel like sometimes the psalmist was saying this stuff um, despite, sometimes it, it I feel like it comes from a genuine place, but it also is sometimes the psalmist, I feel like, is reminding himself. Totally. And that's, I think, what we need to be doing too. Yeah. Because we don't necessarily believe it in the moment and we have to, but we have to hold on to it tenaciously. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Do we want to do some key takeaways? Kind of. Yeah. What do we, like, we've had this whole conversation, it's been pretty sprawling. We talked about, we named yeah, losses. Like we, we've like named we some wrapped it up as well. Pretty well, no. Um, yeah. Like kind of, like what do you take away from from this conversation? Well, I, I love that we ended with a psalm, even though we didn't end necessarily with it. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, always can. We, yeah, maybe we, maybe move, move it to the end. But um, the idea of being able to grieve, to name, uh, to name this whole season as uh, something to grieve and uh, it's, it's losses, it's many forms of losses is um, a good place for me to be because I've, in some ways that's healthier than, than a purgatory, mm-hmm. um, but to, to, to grieve and, but to hope as yeah. well. I think right. that's where I'm, that's where I'm feeling I'm at. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me and you just touched on this briefly and we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but, when you were talking about what it's been like leading worship and to name that as a lonely experience, mm-hmm. I think does touch on, um, yeah, one of the, one of the deep challenges is that even when we are together, there has been some, there remains kind of a loneliness, whether it's through fewer people on stage or just literally fewer people in the building. And mm-hmm. I think the loneliness, that word loneliness kind of speaks to a lot, a lot of the grief, uh, even as we think about people kind of leaving and, um, all that. I think that's a helpful, maybe a, almost an additional grief that's helpful to name. So yeah, that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Well, thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, listeners, we're going to, we're going to kind of keep talking about um, uh, this, this, this big uh, curious question, which is where do we, where do we go from here in terms yeah. of uh, COVID stuff? So this is like the first of four conversations that we'll have kind of in this season um, with our good friend Q coming up next episode. So uh, thanks for uh, going on this journey with us. Yeah. Thanks for sighing with us here. <sighs> and until next time. <sighs> I'm Matt. I'm Aaron. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs> <laughs>